The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. On the fourth Sunday night in April 2022, we were blessed to have Elder Lonnie Mazingo Jr. to be with us at Zion Church at our evening service. Brother Lonnie has been a great friend of Zion Church and has meant so much to me personally through the years and has been a shining example of what it means to labor faithfully in the kingdom of God. His message was taken from Isaiah chapter 33 and focused on what we have in the kingdom of God, that is the church of the living God. Today, we share the first half of that message. I hope you'll stay tuned tomorrow for the second half. It was a truly wonderful message about what we have in the Church of the Living God today. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
I want to draw your attention this evening to the book of Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 20 through 24. Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will Save us. Thy tacklings are loosed. They could not well strengthen their mast. They could not spread the sail. That in is the prey of a great spoil divided. The lame take the prey. And the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Zion... Of course, the namesake of this particular uh, congregation of people is an Old Testament uh, name for a hill in Israel, specifically in Jerusalem. Zion was a strategically located city. It was a, it was a citadel. Uh, it was a place where the temple was built. It was an exalted place, a place of defense and a place of strength and a place of worship. It was a place where God met with his people in a special way. When I heard uh, Brother Tim interviewed about his ministry uh, on the podcast um, Elder Record or Record, and I wrote down a quote that he uh, said about the church. When he was asked about the Primitive Baptist Church, he said, what can you, how do you describe the Primitive Baptist? And he said, and I just thought it was brilliantly simple, he said, it is the place where the kingdom of God is experienced. If you want to know why the Primitive Baptist Church is so special to the people of God and why they hold it so dear, because it's the place where the kingdom of God is experienced. Zion was the place in Israel where God came down to meet with his people, where God was worshiped by his people. It was the kingdom of God on the earth, and it was a place that was built up by the Holy Spirit. Now, it is important for us to remember, this is vital to understand this subject that I have presented you tonight about Zion, that Zion was the place of true worship. Some people are offended by that idea that there's a true worship. And they say, well, who do you think y'all are? And the Israelites of old were persecuted for 
daring to say we are the chosen people of God. We have the true worship of God. The heathen nations around them despised them because of that claim. And they were ridiculed by it. But what many people misunderstood, and even sadly the Israelites, in the, when they became Pharisees in legalistic, toward the end of their existence in the Old Testament, they began to adopt the idea that we're not just the representative worship of God, we're it. There's nobody else but us. And that's where they cross the line. See, there's a difference in being a representative of a group and being the whole group. And to understand election in the Bible, you must understand that God has an elect people in every nation. The Bible specifically says that at the day of redemption, resurrection day in heaven, one of the songs that we know we'll sing is this recorded in the book of Revelation. Thou art worthy to take the book, the book that John saw that uh, no man was worthy to open, that he wept because no man was found worthy, and then it says he saw, uh, and the angel said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. And that's, of course, talking about Jesus Christ, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, <laughs> and they, they, the, the, the blood-washed throng, the whole family of God, sings this song, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God. These are redeemed people giving glory, praise to the one that redeemed them by being slain. And that being slain is when he was slain on the cross, when it when was slain on the cross of Calvary, when the holy, righteous God of the universe who cannot look upon sin drew the sword of justice and slew his son in your stead. When the law of God brought down the justice of God upon the Lamb of God in your room instead. Paul said it this way, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God did not just save you from hell. He also made you righteous so you could live with him. Amen. See, being saved from hell is only half of salvation. The rest of it is that you get to go live with him in perfection, like unto the Son of God. So God made him to be your sin, and then made you to be his righteousness. So that when God looks at you right now, this moment, and this is imperative to understand, that when God looks at you, and when you by an eye of faith can look at yourself this way, God doesn't just see you as someone who never sinned. That'd be great. Wouldn't that be glorious? But he also sees you as someone who has kept his law to a jot and to a tittle. Because the righteousness of Christ was imputed to you 
and all your sins were imputed to the Lamb of God. No wonder they sing, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. That's how you were redeemed. Not with such corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. All of us have got family traditions that were passed down that are bad and habits that we learn from our parents, they're sinners, we learn their sins, we imitate their sins, but God has redeemed us from uh, uh, those um, vain traditions received by, from our fathers. We were not redeemed for, for, with, with such corruptible things as silver and gold from those vain conversations received by tradition from our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily, Peter said, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Jesus was with the Father before the world began. He was ordained to die on the cross before the world began, but he was manifested to us 2,000 years ago when he was born in an ox stall and laid in a manger. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of, now get that expression, out of. Every word in your King James translation of the Bible is there for a reason. The Holy Spirit did not waste words. Every word's there for a reason. The, every word is there in its proper place. Paul was so confident in the word of God that he based his whole argument in Galatians on the absence of a letter. He said, he saith not as unto seeds, plural, as of many, but he, as unto thy seed, singular, which is Christ. He was, he was basing his whole argument on the simple truth that that promise was made to Christ and not to seeds as of many. And if you're in Christ, that promise is yours because you're in Christ. Now, I'm about to get sidetracked, so let me get back. He said, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals of for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of, out of, out of. You know, uh, you say, why do you keep saying that? Because I want you to get it. It's out of. It's not the whole group. It's out of every kindred. Not every kindred, but out of every kindred, God has a people. Tongue. Not every language, that's what a tongue is in the Bible. You know, they spake with other tongues. They spake with tongues that people, you know, that's, that's the word, Bible word for languages. He, God has a people in every kindred tongue, every language. Not every language, but out of every language. Every kindred tongue people and nation. Out of every nation, God has a people. If there's ever been a people who should not be racist, it's primitive Baptist. Because God, we believe that through election, God has a people out of every nation. And so why would we dare risk mistreating someone from another nation? They may be our brother and sister in Christ. You know, Paul said, I tried to tell the church over at uh, Five, Mile, Five Mile Church over at uh, Akron this morning. I tried to point out that Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 that in Christ Jesus there is neither uh, male nor female, uh, 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 bond or free, 
barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. But he said, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that in Christ, there are no gender distinctions. In Christ, there are no national distinctions. In Christ, there are no social distinctions. We're all the same. We're all one. We're all on an equal level in the sight of God because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, uh, Paul says, therefore, I mean, uh, John says that they say in heaven, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. You, you, I want you to understand what you are tonight. I know you, you, you know in yourself, if God's grace has touched you like it's touched me, then, I, then you know, you, I don't have to spend a lot of time convincing you that you're a bankrupt, vile sinner, unworthy least of God's mercies. You know that to be a fact. All I got to do is say, you're a vile, wretched sinner. And you say, that's right. <laughs> amen, preacher. You know, primitive ass, the only ones that will amen that kind of preaching. You are a vile, bankrupt, hell-deserving sinner. Amen, you know. <clears throat> But I want to tell you, that's your position in Adam. I want to tell you about your position in Christ. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people whom God hath set forth to be, uh, uh, whom God hath called out of darkness into his marvel, that you should be to the praise of his glory. That's it. That ye should be to the praise of his glory who... Uh, uh, who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The whole reason why God saved you is so you could praise him for it <laughs> and glorify him for it, okay? So now, back to our text. Understand that the, we as primitive Baptists, we believe we are the place where the true worship of God is found. Remember, the Bible says uh, that God is a spirit and they that worship him must not 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 it'd be a good idea. It'd be it'd be it'd be really nice. It must be this way, Jesus said. They that worship him must worship him in spirit. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a worship service without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is vital to the worship of God. You cannot do one thing acceptable to God without the blessings of the Holy Spirit. But it must also be in what? Truth. It must be the true way to do it. Don't you think God knows how he wants to be worshipped? He's told us how he wants to be worshipped. And that's the only way that God will accept our worship is if we do it the way. God. You remember that God told Noah, you build that ark the way I, I've laid it out. You know what God told Moses? You build that temple the way that I've laid it out. Now every carpenter knows that if you are told that that's a 90 degree angle there. And every carpenter knows that if they put an 89-degree angle on that or a 91-degree angle on that, nobody's going to notice it that much over here. But by the time you get way down there, it's way out here, right? That's why God says, Noah, you do it exactly the way I say. That's why God told Moses, you do it exactly the way I say. And that's why God has told the church, you do it exactly the way I say, in spirit and in truth. Now, but some people hear us talk that way, 
And one of the reasons why you're called primitive Baptist, you know, some, you know, sometimes the old flesh will get a hold of you and you'll be around a bunch of sophisticated people and they'll say, where do you go? And you say, well, I go to Zion Primitive Baptist Church. <laughs> right? Uh, I can tell by the look on your faces, you know I'm right. <clears throat> but that word primitive simply means first or original. All right, so we are here claiming to be the place where the original worship is set up by Jesus and the apostles can be found. The place where the kingdom of God can be experienced. That's our claim. But some people hearing us make that claim make the false assumption that we are suggesting that we are the only people going to heaven. And that's exactly the opposite of what we believe. The representative people are, are only a small portion of the whole. If you send a representative to Washington, you're not going to send the whole population of that district. You're going to send the representative who is only one of the whole uh, constituency, right? You get the point that the representative is only a portion of the whole. And God's church in this world is a representative, a representative of the true worship of God, but never, ever, ever have we ever claimed and never let it be said that we think that we're the only people going to heaven because we believe in election and election will do what religion, religion can never do. It'll save a person who's never heard the gospel preached. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? Now, you say, what does that have to do with Isaiah chapter? Well, just stick with me now. Zion in the Old Testament was the place where the people of God worshiped the true God in the way that God designed him to be, designed to be worshiped. But God had a people among the Canaanites. God had a people among the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Amorites. God had a people among the Egyptians. God had a people among the Babylonians. God had a people among those. You say, how do you know that? Because when the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, they ran smack dab into one of God's elect children named Rahab. Am I right? She wasn't an Israelite. She lived in the city of Jericho, a heathen city that worshiped a heathen God. She'd never heard anything about the true worship of God. But lo and behold, whenever the children of Israel get there and the spies go in there, she says, she says I know that the Lord, your God, he is God. Who do you think told her that? God told her that. God said, they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord. I can tell you to know about the Lord, but I can't tell you to know the Lord. Uh, they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Whether they're Israelites or Egyptians, Israelites or Jerichoites, Israelites or Canaanites, if they're one of my elect, they'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Do you believe that? Amen. All right, I knew you did. But I just wanted to hear you say amen. amen. <laughs> now, with that information, understand that Old Testament physical Zion is a beautiful metaphor or picture of new, the New Testament church. Okay? And in the New Testament, Zion, Z-I-O-N, is known as Sihon, S-I-O-N. Okay? Now, for example, let's go to the book of Hebrews very quickly. 
Paul gets carried away about the difference between law and grace. In the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and he says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burn with fire. This is verse 18. Nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard and treated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dart. There was a commandment that if one of their cows or one of their sheep were to wander off in the flock and accidentally touch that mountain God was on, they were to immediately kill it. It didn't matter how prize a bull or cow that it was, they could be on their way to market to sell it. If it got away from them and touched that mountain, they were to thrust it through at that moment. Every animal was under a death penalty if they touched that mountain. That's how holy that mountain was. It burned with blackness and darkness and tempest. It was a molten uh, a lava on top of that mountain and a smoke ascended up into heaven because God Almighty had come down and touched the earth. And the earth trembled and the mountain skipped like the heart just by the very touch of God. And somewhere up in all that blackness and darkness and tempest and smoke, God says to Moses, come up here. And you know what, Moses, now I'm, this is the Lonnie Mazingo standard uh, junior version. God, Moses says, uh, I exceedingly, well, and that's, this is the actual scripture. Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Now, the Lonnie Mazingo junior version is his knees started knocking. <laughs> he was a terrified. He was terrified to go up into that black, dark tempest where the fire is burning the top of that mountain and the smoke is ascending into heaven and their voice says come up here Moses and I'll give you my law he was terrified and anybody that wouldn't have been terrified is a fool because he's in the pre he's a sinner in the presence of a holy God you remember what Isaiah said whenever he saw the Lord high lifted up in his train filled the temple the Bible said he said woe is me for I am undone have you ever seen God that way God, a holy God, a sovereign God, a God who can, just like the king of, of Persia, whenever he sat on his throne and little Esther says, I can't just walk up to the king. If, if, if he doesn't hold out the scepter, I'll be, the law says I have to be put to death. And Mordecai says, well, you're going to die anyway. You might as well go. And Esther goes into the throne room and she's standing there with the royal apparel that given to her by the king. And she's standing there and the king sees her and he extends the golden scepter and she can approach him freely because of the gold. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the golden scepter of God. A holy God has extended the golden scepter to you. It's his blood that's the scarlet line in the window. He, he's, it's his righteousness. He is the golden scepter of God. And therefore, you can draw nigh unto God. You can come into his very presence without fear. You can come boldly to the throne of grace because the golden scepter is always extended to you. Isn't that glorious? Because you haven't come to that kind of mountain that Moses came to. You've come to Mount Zion. You've come to a different place. A spiritual Zion called Sion. But ye are coming to Mount Sion. Sion is just simply the New Testament way to say Zion. 
That's all it is. Don't get all hung up. It's not two different. It's the same word, but one's in Hebrew and one's in Greek, okay? That's all the Greek I know, so let's move along. <clears throat> you know, I heard a preacher say one time, said, if you can't pull the wool over my eyes in English, don't try to do it in Greek. <clears throat> but you're coming to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God. The church is the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. Now, is it this brick and mortar, beautiful brick and mortar, this beautiful build, the edifice? No, it's you. It's you. It's when the Spirit of God comes down and ignites your heart. That's whenever the Spirit of God, because the kingdom of God is within you. And when the kingdom of God within you makes contact with the Holy Spirit of God from heaven, that's the heavenly Jerusalem. That's the... Zion we're talking about. I believe we're here right now, don't you? Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.